Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message concludes our series, Reach, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message called Release. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. You can be seated. We appreciate all of you folks being here this morning, and uh, we're glad you're here today. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? Turn to someone and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly believe that today. We're glad you're here on this Palm Sunday. And uh, we know what Palm Sunday is about. Jesus came into Jerusalem, the entryway. And it was the beginning of Passion Week or Holy Week. And we know that uh, that week he was going to be crucified. But thank God he's not dead. He's alive. Hallelujah. He rose again. I'll tell you what, it's good to know that uh, there is a resurrection, and God not only resurrected, but he resurrected your life. How many are grateful for that? And uh, I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll be talking about the resurrection, and uh, we'll be ending this series. But uh, this morning, I want to continue our series here that uh, we had uh, designated this time to just share with you our vision for our church is to reach people for the Lord to restore them back in relationship with Christ as committed followers of Christ, and then also to release them to their God-given gifts and calling. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about how God wants to release you and use you. How many believe that God can use your life? He can. And this is the wonderful thing about God. is God uses people that people don't think he can use. It's opposite what the word, I'm going to share that today, how God wants to release you, how God wants to use your life. And whoever you are, whatever walk of life you come from, God wants to use you. Most people think, well, God can't use me. You'll be surprised who God will use. Can I just tell you, if God can use me, he can use you. That's a, that's a fact, folks. And so I'm going to read a verse of scripture here, and I want to just encourage you as we get into this message this morning. Uh, uh, and it's kind of our theme verse that we've been reading, and it's found in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse number 24 of the Word of God. And it says, God's message continued to spread, and what? To reach people. Continue to spread, and to reach people. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you today that your Word is true, and your Word is relevant. It applies in 2021. It's not outdated. It's not old-fashioned, God, but it applies to our lives right now. And so I pray that the Word of God would minister to every person that's sitting in this building, whatever is going on in their life, whatever state of mind they're in, whatever is happening in their life. I pray that the Word of God would minister to them and challenge areas, God, uh, heal areas, uh, restore areas right now, release areas in their life. So I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. So there are still people that need to be reached for God. There's still people that need to be restored to God. And there's still people to be released into their God-given calling. I want to read you one verse, another verse of scripture here that I believe it applies to everyone in this building. Even though the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah... And in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, I knew you before I formed you. How many thank God for that? 
He already knew you. Before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God already knew you in your mother's womb. Thank God, in your mother's womb. So you're, you're, you're a person already in your mother's womb. I don't care what anybody else does. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as the prophet to the nation. So I want to remind everyone here, according to this scripture, the Bible says that God called you and commissioned you before you were even born. Before you were even born, God selected you. God put you on this planet for a purpose. God strategically and intentionally, and he crafted you for this time and for this moment is what the Bible says. Uh, your parents may have been surprised by your arrival, but God was not. God knew you were coming. God already preordained your life. God placed you on this planet to, uh, to be born when you were born, to be born where you were born, and to be born how you were born. And God had the purpose and a calling for your life. The Bible says that God tells Jeremiah, in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said, I formed you. Your parents may have made you, but God himself formed you. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. Uh, there are accidental parents, uh, but I want you to know there are no accidental children. God purposed you. God called you before you were ever born. The Bible says he fashioned you. God says he was not surprised by you. He knew you before you knew yourself. He was not surprised. He said, I ordained you. I picked you. I selected you. And it is consistent with scripture that God gets involved personally when it comes to formation, when it comes to creation. The Bible says that when God created created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the word and everything was created by the power of his own words. God created, but, but the Bible says when God made you and I, when he made the human species, he formed us. God got involved. God got his hands dirty. How many know? God got his hands dirty to create you and to fashion you into being who you are today. So God wants to use you. God wants to, uh, uh, he gifted you. He's talented you. He put things in your life. He's giving you skills today, not for yourself, but for the kingdom of God. And I want you to know today what happens is many of us will say, well, uh, you know, when we say God can't use, uh, use us, we're silently saying, God, you picked the wrong person. We're silently saying, you know what, God, you, you made a mistake when it came to me. I want you to know there are graves and tombs that, that are filled with people today that are not just dead, but they're people that lived their life unfulfilled and didn't meet their potential. I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be used by God. I want God to use my life. I want to be fulfilled or fulfill his purpose and fulfill the potential that God called me. And some of us, we're not careful. We're living below our potential today. And it is equivalent to saying, God, uh, you know what? Uh, my life is what it is, and it doesn't matter what you say. I want you to know you're putting a period where God put a comma. God is saying to you, I can use your life. I can turn things around. And here's the thing you need to know. There's only one you. How many know that your fingerprint is unique more than anybody else? You have a unique fingerprint because God specifically made you in the way he made you today. And there's only one you. There may be people that look like you. I know I look like a lot of good looking people out there, but there's only one me. 
I know people think, you know, anyway, we'll just go on. Uh, but you, 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 uh, you resemble people, you look like people, but there's only one unique you today. And there's only one person that's gone through the journey that you've gone through through the trial that you've gone through, to the times that you've gone through. There's only one person that has your voice, your skills today, your appearance, your sphere of influence today. And that's the person that God wants to use. Before you were born, God said, I planned out your life for a special work. And so today, you'll never be satisfied in life until you do what God called you to do. And when we look in scripture today, God uses people that we do not expect. See, many of us today, we think, well, God can only use special people. God can only use gifted people. But can I show you in scripture that God used some of the most unlikely people? God used some of the people this morning that you would not think he could use. And some of you say, well, you know, I'm not like Billy Graham. You don't have to be like Billy Graham. I'm not this great musician. I'm not this great singer. And you'll be surprised when God wants to use you. The moment you step out, all kinds of doubt comes into us, doesn't it? The Bible says they're the accuser of the brethren. Satan will always accuse you. Satan will always say, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You don't know enough of the Bible. You're not mature enough. Uh, you've messed up too many times. You've messed up big time. Uh, no way God can use you. There are so many things wrong with your life. But let me tell you what the Bible says about you. Here's what we need to know. We need to look to the scripture to see who we really are. Some of you don't realize who you really are. You don't realize your potential. You don't realize what God says about you. I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what the devil says about you. It's what does God say about you. Now look at what the Bible says, and it applies to every single person in this building. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are God's masterpiece. Say masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned, what? For us, a long time ago or long ago. So we are God's masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? It's your greatest creation. The masterpiece is the work that has been extraordinarily done. It's your best work. And God says, you're my best work. I created you. I designed you. I've given you gifts. I've given you skills in your life. And God says, you're my masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. And there's a word for masterpiece in the Greek. It's pronounced poyoma. Say poyoma. Okay, not peyote, okay, or peyote, okay? It says poyoma. And literally what it means, it means you are a creation with a designated purpose. So God created you with purpose. You are God's workmanship. And so, again, the uh, the enemy will come and always accuse us uh, that you're not good enough for God. But I want you to realize something. Scripture says you're God's masterpiece. And in fact, everyone in this building qualifies, I'm going to show you in Scripture, to be used by God. And some of you are saying there's no way. Yes, I'm here to tell you there is a way. It's God's way. So number one, write this down. What kind of people does God use? God uses, uh, God loves to use insecure people. Insecure people. You know what insecure people are? Insecure people are not sure of themselves. They're not confident of themselves. They're not sure they can do it. How many this morning, you'd be honest and you say, you know what? I have some insecurities. Raise your hand. 
All right. Now, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're typically insecure. No. Here's what I want to say to you, that God, God uses insecure people. He uses people that are not confident about themselves. And I'm going to show you in scripture, people that doubt themselves, people that say, I can't do it. God doesn't use perfect people. So if you're insecure, you're the perfect candidate. If you're a person that's not confident in himself, you're the perfect candidate. Let me just show you in scripture today what God, the kind of person God uses. God used a man by the name of Moses. And one of the very first things that Moses reveals when God calls him is he says, uh, is his insecurity in Exodus chapter four, verse 10. He says, Oh Lord, he said, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You've, you've spoken to your servant what I am slow of speech and tongue. Many scholars believe that Moses was a stutterer. And if you've ever met someone that stutters or you stutters, you may say to yourself, I lack the confidence to speak in public. I, I freak out. I put my foot in my mouth. Uh, uh, you know, it just doesn't get out. This is uh, basically what Moses is saying. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm not good enough. I don't qualify. I'm not a good speaker. Many of us this morning could say, I'm inexperienced. Uh, I don't have the experience that I need. I don't have the know-how. Uh, I don't have the skills. I don't have the talent. I don't have the gifting uh, and the ability that my neighbor has, but God loves to use insecure people, you're a perfect candidate because you are God's masterpiece. I said you're God's masterpiece. And God knew who all your weaknesses before you were even born. God already knew your insecurities before you were even born. God already knew what you could do and what you can't do. And here's the thing. There are things about you that are unique, that, that are different than other people. Now, there may be some things that you're passionate about that others are not passionate about. You may have a heart for things that others may not have for, and God can use that. Maybe you're a person that has the heart for children. Maybe you're a person that has the heart for the poor. Maybe you're a person that has the heart for people. Maybe you're a great hostess. Maybe you're a great greeter. Maybe you like to work behind the scenes and you don't like to be uh, on the spotlight, but you like to work behind the scenes where nobody's seeing you, but you're doing something. You're effective for the kingdom of God. God can use that too. Uh, God will use your weaknesses. He'll use your insecurities. Uh, many times your weaknesses and insecurities are a clue of how God wants to use you. Maybe it's those very insecurities and your weaknesses that God's going to turn around for his glory. I'm preaching better than you're clapping this morning. I'm here to tell you that God can use you. It doesn't matter who you are. And the Bible says when God spoke uh, to Moses, he spoke to him from a burning bush. I don't know about you, but a burning bush starts speaking. I'm freaking out. And so the Bible says that God speaks to him. God begins to tell him, I need you to go to Pharaoh. I need you to tell him to let my people go. I'm sending you there. And Moses said, Lord, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should confront 
Pharaoh, how can I do this? He was to confront Pharaoh, one of the most powerful men during that time. Egypt was one of the most powerful nations. We know later on that God used him to come and speak to Pharaoh. The 10 plagues of Egypt came. All of these things began to happen. And of course, we know, remember Charleston Heston, he opened up the Red Sea. Remember, he went in through that. We know that's actually true. The Bible said they walked on dry land and Pharaoh's army tried to hunt him down and we know all the water came caving in because God will shut the enemy down when the enemy comes after you yet Moses did not start off that way he was a man filled with insecurities he was not the man filled with faith and power but God can use that kind of person because God uses insecure people they are his masterpiece and look at what it says when when Moses begins to tell God all of his failures, all of his insecurities. In Exodus chapter 4 here, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, who gave you that mouth? My goodness, who made that thing? Is it not I, the Lord? Look at even my iPad is shouting. God said to him now, God, God told him, I will send you. I'm going to help you speak. I'm going to help, help you teach. I'm going to teach you what to say. In other words, Moses, you just need to step out. Some of us this morning, you just need to step out. You need to just start doing something. Stop waiting around. Stop wondering, man, it's got to be the right time. You know what? You can make a difference right now. Just start stepping out a little bit. Just start doing something and you'll make a difference. Moses finally stepped out and the miracles of God transpired. The second thing, write this down. God uses the unlikely. Say unlikely. Those people that most of us would have said, there's no way. No, not him. Are you serious? Come on. Not that guy. The most unlikely person, these are the people this morning that you would not select in the yearbook. Remember when you went to high school? The most popular? That wasn't me. Uh, the most likely to succeed? I wasn't there either. Uh, uh, the best dressed? I wasn't there either. Uh, you, know, you know, all these different, you ever seen those pictures in the yearbook? And you're under there. I wonder what happened to them. I wonder if they were all successful, right? I wonder if they were popular later on. And, and, and so God, you know, we all, all we kind of think that God only uses those that were the cheerleader, you know, the, the football captain, the president of, of the class, right? The class president, all of this. And we wonder, you know, that God only uses those kind of people. And God, believe it or not, uses the most unlikely people, the people that didn't score the highest on the SAT test. Some of us didn't even pass. We didn't even go to the class for that SAT test, right? Uh, they didn't, you know, he didn't, he doesn't just use the, uh, the, 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 the valedictorian or cum laude, right? Those that uh, graduate with honors. Uh, but I promise you this, uh, even though you may have done all of those things, you have great accomplishments. Yes, God can still use you, okay? Even though you've accomplished all these things. But most of the time, God specializes in uses the unlikely. Those that most people are not the cum laude, but those that say, oh, Lordy, amen, I need, I need God to help me. I need God to, uh, to work in my life a little bit. And we find this story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it's the story of Samuel, the prophet of God. God tells Samuel, I need you to go down to the house of Jesse. Now, Jesse has seven sons, and Samuel is to go to the house of Jesse and, uh, and select one of those one of those boys are going to be, or one of those sons are going to be the next king. And you can imagine 
that Samuel probably sent the text to Jesse, say, hey, I'm going to be at your house tomorrow. I want you to get your sons ready. One of them is going to be the next king. And I can imagine Jesse and his wife talking, said, man, who's going to be the next king? Which one is it going to be? Man, we better start making friends with him right now. He's the next king. We better start treating all our kids good right now. We don't know which one of them is going to be. And the Bible says when Samuel gets there in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he's looking around and, and, and all of a sudden Samuel or, or Jesse brings his sons in front of Samuel the prophet to present them before Samuel so he could look them over. And Samuel begins to see who the tallest one is, who's the most good-looking. He goes, the most handsome, you know, I probably would have got picked right away. But 1 Samuel chapter 16, okay, all right. Verse 6, it says, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So he's looking at what? The outward. He said, you know, he looks kind of handsome. He's tall. You know, he's got the look. He, he's looking like a king. He's walking like a king. Uh, he, he, you know, he, 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 you know, he's got the walk, the kingly walk. Uh, he looked like the right guy. Surely, Lord, this is the one. It's got to be him. And look at what God answers him. He said, uh, the Lord, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Thank you, Jesus. For I have rejected him. Did you hear me? I've rejected that guy. Reject. You're not, amen. You know, you're done. Anyway, and so the prophet himself, if you think about this, the prophet himself was caught up for, for a moment on the outward appearance. The prophet himself was caught up for just a moment on how he looked and how he walked. And I love what the Lord says here. First Samuel 16, 7, he said, the Lord does not look at the thing man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but what? The Lord looks at the heart. El corazón, right here, the heart. Like it's my heart, right? He's looking at your heart. He's looking at what's inside of you. See, God sees what nobody else sees. He sees the inside of you. He sees your heart. He sees your attitude. He sees what's inside of you. He doesn't look on the outside of you. God uses the most unlikely people. And even when you think about Jesus, now all of us know about Jesus, but did you know that Jesus was one of the most unlikely person because of where he came from? He came from the city of Nazareth. Nazareth was just like the ghetto. How many know what the ghetto is? And the other side of the tracks. That's where Jesus was born. He wasn't born with all of this entourage. He wasn't born from a great place. In fact, in John chapter 1, when the disciples, Philip, uh, had talked to Jesus and they seen him, they went to talk to their brother Nathaniel. Uh, it was Peter, uh, or it was Philip and Andrew and Peter. They came to Nathaniel and they said, hey, listen, Nate, listen, Nate, look at what's going on. We, 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 we believe we found the Messiah. We believe he's the one. And, and Nathaniel goes, what, what's going on here? He goes, yeah, he's the one that, that Moses spoke about. He's the one that the prophets wrote about. It's got to be him. And they said, well, where is he from? And they said, well, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. He said, is there anything good that comes out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Why? Because it was the most unlikely place. Jesus was the savior of the world, but he didn't come from a prominent family. 
He didn't come from a wealthy family. He didn't come from what the world would look at and say, oh, surely this guy is the most likely to succeed. Uh, he's the most popular. In fact, he came from a place called Nazareth. He came from the place where people would say, there's no way nothing good could come out of there. In fact, the first thing that Jesus did when he got into ministry is he gathered a team together. And you know what? Jesus gathered some of the most unlikely people on his team. In fact, if we were to get a company today, like a consulting company, let's just say Jesus had submitted the resume of his team. Let's just imagine. And we have this secular consulting company that evaluated all of his disciples. What would it be like? So I pulled out a letter here to Jesus, the son of Joseph Carpenter, from the Jordan Management Consultant. The subject is Jesus' team. And this is the letter to Jesus. Okay, I'm just making it up, so that's not scripture, but just imagine, okay? So those of you watching online, don't get mad. But it says, Dear Sir, thank you for submitting the resumes of all the 12 men that you have picked for management positions in your ministry. All of them now have taken a series of tests using our computer system and they have participated in personal interview, interviews with our physiological and aptitude consultants. It is the staff opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background education and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise that you're undertaking. They do not have a team concept. And we would recommend that you continue your search for people with experience and managerial capability. Number one, Simon Peter is emotionally unstable <laughs> and has occasional fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities to be a leader. James and John place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates questioning attitude and should undermine and would undermine the morale. We feel duty-bound to tell you that Matthew had been blacklisted uh, from the Greater Jerusalem Better B Business Bureau. James of Ephesus and Theatis definitely have radical leanings and both scored high on the manic depression scale. However, one of your candidates shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness. He's keen business mind. He's, he has contacts in high places. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot for the position of a controller. As for all the other candidates, our assessments are self-explanatory. We wish you every success on your new venture. Aren't you glad that God doesn't look at the outside, but he looks at the inside? That God will use the most unlikely people. See, this is the misconception in the American church today. If they're constantly looking at the outside of people, they're constantly looking for all of these people. But I'm here to tell you that most of the time, God uses the most unlikely person. Let me just say this. God is the God of exception. Let me say that again. God is the God of exception. 
just because it happened to them doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. I love the way God operates because what happens to them over there does not dictate and determine what happens to me. It doesn't mean we're more superior. It doesn't mean we're more better than other people. It doesn't mean that we're arrogant and prideful. It just means that God had the distinction when he's in our lives today. God makes exceptions. In other words, this morning, it means that previous patterns and previous outcomes of other people are not permanent indicators of what the future looks like for me because I've got Jesus in my life. It means, listen to me, you can't look at my age. You can't look at my race. You can't look at my background and tell me what's going to happen to me. I said, you can't look at my age. You may say, you're old. You're old. Amen. God can use me. Uh, You're too old. You're you're too young. Amen. I'm here to tell you today uh, what the exception is. It's not the experience. Uh, What the exception is the outcome because God is working in my life. Uh, You may say to yourself, how is it? God is the God of exception. Uh, It doesn't matter today what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what. Maybe they couldn't recover, but I'm here to tell you, you can bounce back. Maybe they didn't make it, but I'm here to tell you with God in your life, you can make it. It doesn't matter what the outcome of other people, because God is the God of exception. If Jesus came back from the grave, you can come back from that divorce. If Jesus came back from the grave, you can come back from that bankruptcy. The devil is a liar today. God can use your life in a powerful way. It doesn't matter. Throughout scripture, God used the most unlikely people because he's the God of exception. The Bible says, see, when you look in scripture, a teenager is not supposed to be able to fight a giant with military experience, but with David, God made an exception. See, a person is not supposed to be able to walk in a a den of lions and come out one piece, but with Daniel, God made an exception. A young man is not supposed to be thrown in the pit, slowed into slavery, doing time in prison, and ends up in a palace, but with Joseph, God made an exception. I'm here to tell you today, because you got Jesus in your life, it doesn't matter what the outcome happened to them. It doesn't happen to happen to you because God is in your life. God is the God of exception today. I don't care what you say. Huh? Just because they came from that neighborhood doesn't mean it has to happen to you. Am I right? Just because you came out from the same place. See, society doesn't understand the kingdom of God. Society has no understanding that God is the God of exception. Stop believing what other people say about you and start listening to what God says about you. You are not the sum total of people's opinion. You are who God says you are. You are God's masterpiece, and God can use the most unlikely people. Hallelujah. See, God says he's working in our lives. Amen. What the enemy meant for evil, uh, amen, God turned it around for the good. Uh, He's bringing about those good things, amen, Uh, those things that, amen, that seem like they're not going to work out. God works them out because I'm here to tell you today, God will use the unlikely people. In fact, if you're unlikely, you're a great candidate for God. I said you're a great candidate for God. 
God wants to use your life. So the Bible says that Samuel is looking for the next king. And here is, he finally goes through all the sons. And finally, Samuel says, wait a minute. God's saying, none of these guys are the next king. Do you have one more son? And the dad goes, well, you know, he rolled his eyes. Nobody believes that. Well, I have one son, but you know, he, he's just taking care of sheep. That's all he's good for. You know, he's just a sheep guy. He's just the guy that takes care of the sheep. You know, it can't be him. How many know sometimes even your own family doesn't see the potential in your life? Even his own dad didn't see the potential. Even King Saul didn't see the warrior in him. Even the prophet didn't see God's heart in his life. The Bible says that God says, bring him out here. And sure enough, David comes down and he said, He's the man. Anoint him because God is the God of exceptions. Can you say amen? God will use the unlikely this morning. So whoever you are, you may not see yourself that much. You may not see yourself as doing anything or you're available or your ability to do something for God. But if you're available for God, God can use you. Are you ready for the the third one? God will use failures. How many have ever failed in life? God will use failures. If you're a failure, you're a candidate for God. Hallelujah. In fact, the most successful failure in the Bible is the guy by the name of Peter. I'm going to say that, a successful failure. You can be a successful failure for God. God wants to use those. He wants to release those that have failed in life that have messed up big time. And I'm here to tell you, Peter was one that messed up big time. In fact, Peter had a problem of always running his mouth. You ever known somebody like that? You ever run your mouth so much you get yourself in trouble? That was Peter. Peter was running his mouth, talking all the big talk. In fact, he told, he was bragging about his commitment. He was bragging about how great he was. And he told Peter, you know what? Uh, or Peter told Jesus, you know what, Jesus? I'm, I'm one of your most committed followers. In fact, these losers right here, the rest of these guys, uh, you know what? They, they, they won't follow you, but me, I'll, I'll go to jail for you. In fact, I'll die for you. And, P- and Jesus tells Peter, you know what, Peter? I'm going to here to break the bad news to you. Not only are you going to deny me one day, but you're going to de- deny me three times in the same night. And the cock is going to crow. Amen. And when that happened... You will have denied me three times. And Peter said, no way. I'll, I'll go to jail. I'll die. I'll, I'll do everything for you. Jesus, see the other guys won't. And sure enough, we see the story in Luke chapter 22, verse number 6, 60. The Bible says uh, when Jesus is arrested, uh, there is Peter there, uh, and he's walking in, into, the, into the area there, into the patio area, wherever it was, into the, uh, I don't know what it's called, but anyway, he's out there. He, he's out there wondering where, uh, outside while Jesus is going on trial and the bible says that a man comes up to him and says weren't you one of his followers weren't you one of those jesus followers and he said man i don't know what you're talking about he goes i don't know what you're talking about and just as he was speaking the rooster crowed right right there and the bible says that Jesus might have been passing through the walkway. We don't know. But the Bible literally said the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Could you imagine right after you denied Jesus, he comes walking through the thing, the walkway, wherever he's at, and there he is looking at you. 
And Peter went outside and what? Wept bitterly. Could you imagine? Now, I don't know. Bible doesn't tell us what he was thinking, but I imagine he felt like a failure. He had been talking about his commitment. He had been talking about what a great follower he was. He was talking about how he would never deny Jesus. And you can imagine Jesus had told him he was the rock. He was feeling like a little pebble. Am I right? Jesus had told him, you know, you're going to be great. And basically, he probably said, I destroyed my relationship. I blew it big time. I pushed it to the limit. I know God's love is conditional, but I, I, I went overboard. God can't forgive me. I've messed up too much. I've failed big time. If you failed, congratulations. God can use you. Can you say amen? And see, I believe the more broken you are, the more God can use you. I believe sometimes the more we've messed up, the greater that God can use you because God can use a failure because when you failed, you become broken and you become humble and you're not dependent on you anymore, but you come more dependent on God. I've known some people that have failed in life and have ruined things in their life, but I'm here to tell you today that thank God you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your failure, but God can restore you, God can heal you and make you great for the kingdom of God. See, I know a lot of people say, Pastor, you don't know, man. If you just knew me, you wouldn't even believe in me. If you knew who I really was, if you knew what I really done, you wouldn't be preaching the way you preach. You wouldn't be so encouraging. Why? Well, I know that, that Moses was a murderer. I know that David not only was a murderer, but he was an adulterer. God used him. All throughout scripture, the Bible says he uses those that have failed and those that fell big time. And then we see Peter later on. This is what I love because the Bible says that, that when Jesus resurrected, if you could just read the scripture, the moment that Jesus resurrects, that one of the ladies comes to him and he said, go tell Peter, let Peter know because Jesus was concerned about Peter. And then the Bible says this, that in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when Jesus is resurrected and ascended into heaven, the first guy to get up and preach is who? Peter. And look at what Peter said. I love what he says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, he told, he's telling all these men, he goes, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What? For the forgiveness of your sins. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And how many people got saved? And I've never preached and this many people get saved. 3,000 people get saved. Why could he preach about forgiveness? Why could he be passionate about forgiveness? Because, uh, amen, he'd been forgiven of so much. He had felt God so much. He could talk about God's forgiveness. God used his weakness. God will use your his misery for your ministry. Can you say amen? God will use his weakness for the kingdom. Somebody say amen. God will use his failure for his kingdom. So many times today, your failure is what gives you the power. Your failures would give you your ability to be used by God. Peter looked like a failure. Peter looked like, man, he would never be used of God. And yet God turned it around and used it for his glory. Now I'm reminded about Peter's life when Jesus was walking on water. The Bible says that Jesus walks on water. Peter looks and said, Lord, if that's you, let me come out to you. I imagine Peter saying, maybe I can do some of that. Jesus, can I come out to you? And he comes down and he walks on water. And all the, and of course, we know later on he began to sing, but at least he did something. 
At least she attempted something. Everybody else stood in the boat. Some of us need to step out of our boat of security. Some of us need to step out of our boat of the comfort zone. Now, I, I appreciate this morning that you come and the Lord ministers to you and God uh, is helping you. And I pray that these messages encourage you, encourage you this morning. But I'm here to tell you, we're not here to be consumers. We're here to be contributors. God wants to use your life. And I'm glad you come and I'm glad God's ministering to your life. But there has to become a point in your life where you get out of your comfort zone. That you stop using all these excuses. Well, I'm insecure. Well, you're a candidate. Well, you know, I'm not the most likely guy. You're a candidate. Why well, I felt you're a special candidate for God. Amen. That, that's those, join in. Join the ministry. We want, we want you to be a part. We, we believe that God can use your life. See, I'm here to tell you this morning that, that as a pastor, most people will say to me, hey, man, you probably never felt in your life. I have felt so many times. It's pitiful. I've lost count. In ministry. I've had ideas that just didn't go nowhere. It just boom, boom, it went, hit the curve, man. It didn't go nowhere. Great idea. I thought it was great. I've heard, I preached sermons that didn't go anywhere. I, I could hardly hear the sermon myself, and I was preaching it. So that happens. Uh, there's time where we fell. There's time that I've made, made mistakes, uh, said things that I shouldn't have said, did things. But thank God, we serve a God that's a God of forgiveness. He's the God that can use you. So what's your excuse today? I believe today we need to have some radical, radical prayers again. God, use me. God, I surrender. God, I'm available. See, some of you this morning, you, you want to preach the gospel. I believe God will use you. You want to be a pastor. You want to be an evangelist. You want to be a missionary. Thank God. God will use you. You're a candidate for him. You know where it starts? Before we ever fulfill that great calling before we ever fulfill it start before your calling uh, the prerequisite to your calling is serving first as we serve God opens up doors uh, so that we could do other things for the kingdom can you say amen every calling starts with serving I said every calling all great ministers uh, were are great servers and so today, God wants to release you today, whatever call, whatever things that God can use you in, whatever, everybody has the gift. Don't tell me you don't have a gift. You have a gift. You have an ability. I don't care if you whistle better than ever, but that God will use the whistling. Amen. Whistle somebody in the kingdom. I don't know what it is. You, you have a gift. You have an ability. You have, a, you have something about you that God can use this morning. And whatever it is, even if you're one talent, even if you did have one of it, the Bible says everybody gets the talent. Remember that? He gave one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. What did the one talent guy do? He buried it. See, if you have, every one of us has the talent. We're not supposed to bury it. We're supposed to use it for his kingdom. God wants to use you today. I said, God wants to use you today. How many want to be used of God? Raise your hand. All right. I believe that. So I'm going to pray today. And before I pray this morning, I want, I want you to know today that today we're going to have some sign-ups for you to join a ministry. We're going to have sign-ups for you to use. You say you want to be used of God? We're going to have sign-ups today right after this service so that you could be used of God. Can I tell you something? Before I ever became a pastor, before I ever became a preacher, I was just serving in the church just like you. I'm just doing what you're doing today. 
And who knew? I didn't know that God would later use me to be a pastor. That wasn't my dream. That wasn't my dream in high school. Oh, one day I'm going to be a pastor. That, wasn't, that just came about as I began to do what God called me to do. As I began to get involved in church, as I began to get involved in and what, whatever. You know, one of the, one of the things that, that I could tell you, that whenever my pastor asked me to do something, I just said yes, even if I didn't know how to do it. Even if I didn't know how to do it, I just, I, I'll figure it out. Pastor, I need you to do this. I'll do it. And I remember my friends telling you know how to do that? I go, no, but we'll find out. Well, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it done somehow. And you know why? Because the availability is the greatest ability. God wants to use your life today. God wants to use your life today. I'm going to bow. Oh, I want us all to bow our heads and just close our eyes for just a moment this morning. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you, God, that you could use us, insecure people, unlikely people, failures. God, that we're candidates for your kingdom. That, Lord, today we, we can't, there's no excuse, God, that, God, you want to release us to do great things. God, that you made us, that we're your masterpiece. So, God, we thank you today. We thank you, God, that you would use us, that, that God, all the things in our lives, God, that we can look at and say, there's, there's no way we qualify. And somehow, God, you qualify the unqualified by your grace, by your love. And so, God, we thank you for that. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now, you're in this place. I'm here to tell you today, you're not here by coincidence. You're in this place right now, but you've never given your life to Jesus. God's reaching out to you today. This series is reach. God's reaching out to you. And he's telling you today, as I read in the scripture, you are his masterpiece. He created you for purpose and on purpose. He formed you. He had the purpose for your life. You have more potential than you even realize. You are more unique than you give yourself credit for. You are more valuable than what people say you are. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his life for you. For God so loved the world, that includes everybody, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says he will accept everyone that comes to him today. So whoever you are right now, you may not feel special. You may not feel important, but to God you are. And today God wants to come in your heart. He wants to forgive you of your sin. And all you have to do today is raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. God's reaching out to you by his Holy Spirit right now. And I don't believe it's coincidence you're here. I believe it's an appointed time right now. You're supposed to hear this message. You're supposed to hear what I'm preaching today because God loves you. He's reaching out to you right now. If that's you, you'd be honest with God. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Would you raise your hand real quick and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. I need the Lord in my life. Who are you? A few people back there. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Whoever you are. Man or woman, somebody else. God bless you. Who else? God's reaching out to you. God, over here on my right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman. You may think, man, I got other plans. I'm here to tell you, God's here to change your plan. Your plans are going to take you to destruction without God. 
God had the plan for you today. Right now, God has a new plan that can save your soul, that can change your life. I know what I'm talking about today. Doesn't matter where you grew up. Doesn't matter where you came from. God loves you. Doesn't matter what's happened in your life. We serve a God of forgiveness and grace. He's reaching out to you right now. If you haven't raised your hand, raise it up right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Raise it up right now. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Just raise it up. God wants to come in your life. This is your chance right now. This is your opportunity. Start over right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Maybe you were once walking with God, but you're away from God today. You need to come back. God wants to restore you. The Father's waiting for you right now. Raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to come back. God bless you, brother. Amen. Anybody else? You need to come back. The Father's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. If you haven't raised your hand, raise it up right now. Say, that's me. I need to come back to the Lord. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. He's waiting for you. Who are you? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Few people already. I'm, I'm just here to pray for you. God, he's the one reaching out to you. He's the one reaching out to you. And I care enough for you today to tell you right now is your moment. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up. So that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. I need to come back to Jesus. Several people raised their hand. I believe you meant that. Or else you wouldn't have raised your hand. But I want you to look up at me right now. If you, if you raise your hand, look up at me. Right over here, over here. Back over there. Okay, I want to pray with you, okay? If you give me the honor, would you stand to your feet and just come right here? Just stand to your feet. Come down here. Come on, several people. Just face me, several people. Come on, give these people a big hand. We're going to clap for you. You can just face me right here. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Amen. Come on, give these people a... Uh, man, clap for them. They're coming. More people are coming. God bless you. Anybody else? We're excited. We're excited that you came. Because we've been where you've been. We walk the same path you walked on. Praise God. More people are coming. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. We're going to pray. If you're sitting out there and say, I, sh I should have raised my hand... I'll wait for you. Just come down here. I'll wait for you. If you say, man, I need to be down there, just come right now. Come, come. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of you down here this morning. Uh, why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? And I want you to say this prayer, not to me, but I want you to say this prayer to God and mean it from your heart. It's not the words. It's your heart. And I'll give you the words, but you mean it from your heart. Don't say it to anyone else, but just say it to God. And, and, and say it out loud. Don't just say it in your mind, okay? Repeat this prayer and say it to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. Change my life. From this day forward, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.